take that as a yes. What? The ring. the opposite of what the saying is. Divided. We are not enough. World needs Superman. I made him a promise. This is why I brought you together. It ain't over yet. My man. Yeah. Oh, awesome. As a bad signal, that's your. Your signal that means we have to go now. Yeah, that's that's what that means. It's so cool. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours, the movie review program. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined once again by my buddy Mike Bailey. Welcome aboard, Mike. Uh, always glad to be here, Paul. Always glad to have you. Have you? Obviously, we did a Lonesome Dove early on in the Is It Yours run. Has it been since then, or have you been on since then? And I forgot. I don't. I don't think I've been on since then. We we we've talked. Uh, you know, you, you asked me to uh, to suggest something, and uh, between you, me, and everyone listening to this episode, Andy Leyland really wants us to talk about Highlander for some reason. I don't know why, but he's just like, yeah, you need to you need to talk about that with Paul. So, and I haven't uh, seen Highlander since like it first came out on VHS. So, wow, okay. so I'm gonna have to rewatch it, and we're gonna. We'll, it's hard. It's hard to find movies with Sean Connery in it that I'm gonna give you a hard time about watching. <laughs> so even Zardoz, even Zardoz, I can, in, in a pinch, I could watch. So we we will get to that at some point. But today we're doing the recent Justice League movie, and we haven't discussed our thoughts on this movie yet. Just to, I think there was the initial. Uh, for lack of a better word, the initial euphoria when the movie mm-hmm. first came out, uh, which I think was more of a sigh of relief that it didn't suck. <laughs> that is that is entirely accurate, sir. <laughs> and 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 I, I think you know time has a way of kind of 
giving you some perspective on things. And there's things about the movie that I liked a lot when it first came out that I still like. And there's things about the movie that I wasn't so crazy about when it first came out. And I'm still not so crazy about them. And, but it, but it allows, I think time allows me to, to see where it falls in my overall thought process. Uh, whereas if you ask me right after I watch it, I don't know if I could give you that same perspective. And I don't, I don't know if your experience is similar on this. Uh, but, you know, it, it's there's just so much going on with the DC cinematic universe that I think you know it bears some talking about it. But uh, just just to start off, we both saw this in its original theatrical release on the big screen, correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay, Did you see it just once on the big screen, or, or more than once? Uh, just once. We, my wife and I, just for various reasons, don't get to the theater as much as we used to, which is kind of weird because when we first started dating. Uh, we would go to the movies like every weekend uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes see more than one film. And now it's just like, is Superman in it? Okay, <laughs> let's go. Uh, though she really wanted to see Black Panther, but we weren't able to get that um, pulled out. But no, I, I did see it in opening weekend. Uh, I was actually excited for it, too, which surprised me when it happened. Uh, because uh, I... <laughs> If you want to hear Paul, uh, me, Bob Fisher, and Andy Leyland spend four hours talking about Man of Steel, there's an episode of Views from the Long Box for that. If you want to hear the four of us talking about Batman v Superman, that will never happen. Okay, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I think it's worth mentioning because I was going to say that that we did spend a great deal of time talking about Man of Steel. Uh, one of one of the most fun conversations I've had, uh, uh, just partially because of the the content and partially because of the company. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. But, you know, we, we went over that movie scene by scene and went through it. And I think all four of us appreciate that film at a higher level than a lot of other comic fans do. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, when Batman v Superman came out, I was in the group chat, the uh, round table for Two True Freaks. And I did not like it then. And my opinion has not improved since then. And I did at one point recruit Andy, Mike and Bob to do an Is It Yours on it, and I had actually expanded it, and I was including John Wilson in the group, because I know John is a fan of the movie, and I thought he would give kind of the counterpoint to uh, what I thought was probably going to be a negative review from the four of us. Um, But that never happened, and it probably isn't going to happen, because if nothing else, content aside, it's just so hard to get times where we're all available. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I haven't released it yet, but Donovan Morgan Grant and I got together uh, to have a conversation about that film because, you know, it's funny to think that in 2013, it was June when Man of Steel came out, uh, John Wilson was actually visiting me. Uh, He came up for the weekend, and we saw the film together, and then we spent the next two days watching our friends... uh, the only way I can really describe it, it was it's it's like after like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl this past year and they like burned the city to the ground almost. It, it was kind of <laughs> like that, but in, it was Superman fandom where people were just friendships ended and you know it, it was like this civil war and it lasted for like six months and I'm like it can never get worse than this. And then I forgot, oh, yeah, we're going to add Batman fans into this conversation. That's going to be good. And it was just like, basically, we got together to talk about it. 
because we wanted to do it in a, I hate to use the term safe space, but we wanted to talk about it without 15 people jumping down our throats because you can't talk about it on social media without it turning into an argument. It's, it's kind of fascinating to see that happen, but there it is. I mean, every, like I, I, I bought the three hour version um, because I'm me. Uh, it's a a film with Superman in it I'm going to buy every version I can I bought the three hour version of Superman the movie uh, that came out on Blu-ray I I don't think I don't think it's fair to compare yeah, no, it's no. I'm not comparing content. I'm just let's I'm see. Just it's the three-hour version of one of your favorite movies of all time. <laughs> yeah, and the three-hour exactly. version of a movie that you were sorely disappointed with. And I sat down and I watched the three-hour version, and I clocked it. It was 90 minutes before I found a scene that they added that I was just like, "Oh, this should have been in the theatrical cut." And I talked about that online, and it turned into an argument. Not with me. Other people were fighting with each other. So I, I think it's to the point where, you know, I know Andy doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's made that perfectly clear. And, uh, you know, I, I just I just think that getting the band back together for that movie, I don't think it would be productive. It, you're we're you're probably sit right. there and say we hate it. <laughs> and and uh, you know what? I'll, I'll just pat Andy on the back and give him credit as a good friend because I know he doesn't want to talk about it. But when I asked him. You know, when we were looking to do it, he was he was willing to do it just the same. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give him credit <laughs> for being a good friend. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think you know. See, the thing is with these movies is I don't mind differing opinions. Mm-hmm. I never have. In fact, I embrace that sometimes. When when we do listen to the prophets, I, I I mentioned so many times that I really enjoy when we cover an episode where one of us likes it and another one doesn't. Because we have a civilized discussion about it. We have a, a, you know, a, a give and take where one person will say, well, I liked this, and the other person will explain why they didn't like it. And, yeah. and that's fine. And I, 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 to me, that's entertaining to listen to, or at least I hope it is. Um, you know, it, 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 to me, that's more entertaining than just, yeah, I like this. Oh, I liked it too. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I do welcome that as long as it's well thought out, as long as it's, you know, not just, you know, I didn't like this. Well, why didn't you like it? Because it sucked. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I don't want. <laughs> that's not a productive conversation. And and to be honest, it's, you know, there are people that I can talk about things I don't I don't like or they don't like and I like and vice versa and all, all that. And, and like you said, it's always nice when people can be respectful. I mean, the reason why we did the Man of Steel thing in the first place is that we wanted to prove that four people could talk about this film and not get into an argument because <laughs> uh, it, it apparently wasn't possible at the time. But, you know, when, when, when it came to Justice League, I really wasn't on board with that film when it was announced. I wasn't on board after the first teaser trailer. I kind of liked the second trailer, but I was just like, nope, nope. I liked every trailer to Batman v Superman, and that film just completely let me down. So it wasn't until about a week before the movie came out that I was like, holy crap, there's a Justice League movie coming to the movie the- to to a movie theater. I gotta go see that. And, yeah. uh, it, and, and it was that's, a fun night out. And that's where I was trying to go is to to the level of expectations that we each had coming off of. Not only Batman v Superman, but Suicide Squad as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then heading into 
Well, actually, Wonder Woman was before Justice League, correct? I'm, yes, yeah, but I'm, I'm I have not seen yet. it. Okay, so so we we had basically what we had, and to the extent that you disagree or differ in your opinions, you just please jump in, okay? So we we had Man of Steel, which at least you know, uh, allowing for varying opinions around, Mike and I both liked. Yeah. Can't I wouldn't go as far as loved, but we both liked it. We both saw some positives in there, uh, as well as negatives. But overall, we thought the positives outweighed the negatives. Fair. That's very fair. Okay. Then the next thing we got was Batman v Superman. And I know I was sorely disappointed with the presentation of Superman in that movie. I did mm-hmm. not like it one bit. I thought he was presented as kind of a buffoon. Uh, he was he was dumb. He was slow to react to things. He, he kept walking into Luther's... Uh, web and and getting you know just like letting himself fall deeper and deeper into things he he didn't fight batman in an intelligent way when they did fight uh i i didn't like the way superman was presented in any way shape or form in that movie and that was really ultimately the downfall of it for me uh that and Zack snyder's kind of bleak look at, at the world and society uh yeah. was is that kind of what you thought or were you a little different on that no i'm pretty much there you had a film where we were told that superman was revered i mean they had a statue and everything but every character we were following as an audience with the exception of lois was down on superman and when you have a character like batman who is just intrinsically cool batman just by his very nature, is a cool character, and you want to like him. When you're follow, you know, even when the whole point of the movie is him to be wrong, you can't do cool. Th- it, it's 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 like it's like the movie Fight Club. The point of Fight Club is that everything involving Fight Club is useless, but everyone just focuses on the guys getting together and hitting each other, and that's the cool part where you just completely ignore what the entire point of this film is. Batman v Superman was the opposite of that, where we the point of the film is that Superman's great, but to prove that, we had to kill him. And it's just like, so your two big moves here are create him and kill him? I, 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 there was no connective tissue there. So I, that was one of my many problems with that film. But Yeah, yeah and, and I also, I also kind of got to... I walked away thinking that if the only Man of Steel... They had not yet earned the point, the the right to get to the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we weren't Absolutely. there yet. We needed to do more. We needed to see more of Superman's life before we could be devastated by his death. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and 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 you know that's something that's actually something John Wilson and I agree on is that it would have been much better to have a a Superman a Man of Steel two between those two where you see Superman being the hero everyone was talking about uh, in Batman v Superman. Why did he get a statue? You know, it wasn't just saving the city from, you know, Zod and everybody. It had to be more than that. So show us the celebration so that when we get to the death, it has more of an emotional impact. I I think the, the downfall of Batman v Superman ultimately was we were told, not shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. And I, I think 
not to get too far into that, but I think Zack Snyder has a habit of doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I think Zack Snyder shows us pretty images, but when it comes to storytelling, I think he, he lacks a little something so that they have to tell you what's going on. Uh, I felt the same thing, to be honest with you, in Watchmen. I, I didn't think he did a great job of letting the story tell itself and let it breathe. But, again, we're, I, I'm, we're going too far afield because I want to bring bring us back to Justice League before too much time goes by. Okay. But, but walking out of Batman v Superman, I did not have high hopes for what Zack Snyder could do with the Justice League. Uh, yeah, yeah do, were I, I you more optimistic? Uh... No, I was. I was completely pessimistic. I, I, in fact, if you go listen to old episodes of Radio KL Live, between Batman v Superman coming out and, and and right before Justice League came out, you will hear the the words, "I am not going to be fooled again," uh, said in varying ways over and over again. I was, I, I was not going to set myself up to be disappointed again. Mm-hmm. So then, then in between we get Suicide Squad, uh, which we we did cover that on an on an episode of Is It Yours, and I it was relatively quickly after I had seen it. Um, I think I was kinder to that at that time than I would be now in hindsight. I I suspect I I don't even remember for sure. I suspect I gave it a Jaws three. I probably would still give it a Jaws three but not quite as glowingly as I did then. I don't think I ranked it higher than that, and certainly I wouldn't rank it higher than that at this point. I hated the way the Joker was portrayed in that movie. Mm-hmm. So now we're following up a movie where I hated the way Lex Luthor was portrayed with a movie where I hated the way the Joker was portrayed. The two greatest villains in DC history, mm-hmm. and I feel like they were both very poorly presented to us. And, and that's that's just not good at all. So then we get Wonder Woman, and I know I did an episode on that. I did that with uh, with Dave, and I know he gave it a uh, he gave it a, a Jaws one, and I think I gave it a Jaws two. And and I did feel, and, and this is not the most politically correct way to say things, and I apologize for anybody who who is a little bothered by that, but I felt that it, it, there was a little bit of a, a hyperbole to that movie where you had to say you loved it or somehow you were being misogynistic. Uh, you know, I, I think that in with certain things, that's actually kind of a fair statement. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever specifically felt like that, but I can see where... I can see where other people would feel that way. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I think people get caught up in the hype, and I, I, don't, I don't mean even to, to make this something where I'm, where I'm bashing people, uh, but I think people get caught up in the hype. People get excited, you know. This this is finally a big budget super super heroine movie, which is something we don't get, directed by a woman, and it was well done. You know, I, I really enjoyed it when I watched it. But I don't think it was an all-time classic. But I think people got caught up in the hyperbole of, you know, what what it was and what it represented, and the fact that it was a success in the box office. And I think people tended to overrate it slightly, or at least that was my impression on it. No, I mean it, it's very easy. Um, it's 
I'm going to finish the sentence, I promise. I, I think there is a tendency with certain movies that when you come out of it, you think it's the greatest thing ever. And you're just like, you don't want to hear anybody talking any negative bits about it. And then, you know, a little, you know, time goes by, man gets older, and suddenly things are very clear. And, you know... It, and anybody who doesn't get that reference, shame on you. And, you know, you start seeing plot holes. And, you know, you start seeing, oh, wow, I, I, I see where that criticism was. And, and for me, it usually doesn't change my mind about the film if I love it. But I'm able to realistically assess it. And I think when you... We're in such a time period now. I was actually talking about this on Facebook earlier today with some people. Uh, you know, if you walked up to somebody today and told them that Iron Man was a weird prospect to launch a cinematic universe, they tell you you were crazy. And yet I remember vividly in 2008 going, Iron Man? Really? Okay. And then well, you walk out, you were like, that's great. But, but And also you might get people who are looking at it through the vision of 10 years later. Yeah. You know, what, what Iron Man is now isn't what Iron Man was then. Mm -hmm. So that. while it seemed like a strange choice then, now it's a natural choice because it worked out. Had it not worked out, everyone would say, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> you know? But you know, uh, uh, Go ahead. Another example I, I think of is Batman Begins. You know, Dark Knight making a billion dollars and being, like, one of the most successful comic book films ever? Yeah, it's like, of course Batman Begins worked. I remember in 2005 people saying, is this going to work? Can they overcome Batman and Robin? And, and you know, I just think nowadays, because comic book films are so omnipresent and so part of the pop culture of the now that everybody just gets caught up in the in, in 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 whether in either loving it or hating it, and it doesn't seem like you can have like wow I kind of liked that I didn't like this but I like that it's like no you have to love it or no you have to hate it and I'm just I'm not down with that. <laughs> well, I think I mean that, unfortunately I think that's the internet mob mentality at work too. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, what I said about the Wonder Woman movie, I, I felt there was a little bit of an element of that with Black Panther, you know, it, before it opened, it, you know, if it, you go to this movie, if you don't like it, then you must be a racist, you know, and it turns out I did like it, <laughs> but if I hadn't, I would admit that I didn't, and I guess people would have accused me of being a racist, even though the Black Panther has been like a character that I've really, really enjoyed for many, many years, but that's, you know, that's, I feel like that's the internet mob mentality, and it, it does bother me to some extent. And I'm sure there's people who are listening to me say it, and you know, feel that I'm being unfair somehow. But so be it. Yeah, it's your show. <laughs> you know, I, I hope I'm not insulting anybody, and I certainly, no. you know, I, I certainly don't think anybody should be insulted by that. And like I said, I think I think it's. When people get that, I think they do it with the best of intentions. I think people want to be advocates for women's rights. People want to be advocates for racial relations. And they get excited by the fact that, you know, again, now here we have a, a you know, a big budget movie about an African uh, superhero with an all, you know, pretty much all black cast uh, directed by, by a black man. And it's like, well, we want this to be a success because it's going to be, you know, 
from a societal point of view, it's a positive if it is. But translating that to if you don't like it, you're a racist. You know that may be take that may be a bridge too far. Yeah, I, I think the I think the extremes on both ends of the spectrum are kind of the wrong way to go. Uh, you know, it's just you know you you can uh, my way to diffuse that is to point out that the two white guys in Black Panther were uh, Bilbo and Gollum, so they're the Tolkien white guys, and that makes me <laughs> laugh, and it kind of. It kind of brings everything down, but no, it's it's like, you know, I want to celebrate a film because it's good, okay? I, you know, there, there are historic things about it that I can appreciate, but I think at the end of the day, with any movie or any comic or any book I read, I want it to be good, and I am two hours into Wonder Woman, because I'm previewing it at lunch, uh, because, you know, I always preview these movies for Rachel, because she has issues, and... I'm loving this film, but I'm loving it because I think it's good and that I think Wonder Woman is being treated with respect and that she's not just being turned into whatever David E. Kelly turned her into in that pilot movie uh, from years ago with uh, Mockingbird. and it just makes me laugh that she has been like in every she's been like in every geek property. I'm so glad that Agents of Shield worked out for her because she deserved it. Well, she's <laughs> she's very good in the Orville now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of happy about that too. Uh, I also think it's kind of ironic that she was Lady J in that GI Joe movie, and the guy playing Flint was super was cast as Superman in that George Miller. Uh, Justice League film that more and more is coming out about and looks like we dodged a bullet. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's a little mean, but still, no. Oh, I, no, I, I think I think if they made it with the sensibilities of that time, I, <laughs> I, I think we would have been unhappy. So now, now I'm, I'm going to just bring us forward because, like I said, I'm trying to get us to Justice League. Yeah. Uh, the press was questionable going into this movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was people not trusting Zack Snyder, and then Zack Snyder had a family crisis, uh, which caused him to step away from the movie, and Joss Whedon came in to finish it. And there's some debate as to exactly what influence he had over the script and what, what the final product was, uh, but the popular conception is that he pretty much redid just about every Superman appearance in the movie and, and re reestablished what that character was going to be in the movie. That's the popular opinion. Well, you know, unless they ever come out with that, uh, that Zack Snyder cut that they've talked about, which probably doesn't even exist. Uh, I, you know, I think we have to kind of take it on faith as far as what, what, what did and did not happen there. Um, but I know, you know, once you start having, you know, a couple of different hands in the, in the soup, I start becoming a little bit more skeptical as to what we're going to get. Yeah, I, I was kind of in the same boat. I, I remember I, I read a bunch of different reviews, which I don't normally do uh, in terms of, uh, like, I didn't read any reviews for Batman v Superman, uh, just because it seemed like they were primarily negative, and I didn't want that uh, in my head. And I read a lot of reviews for Man of Steel, 
and tended to agree with most of them. So with this, I was like, okay, I'm going to read these. And it's, it was like, it was a roller coaster ride. It's just like, no, this is one of the best things ever. And it's like, no, this is terrible. No, it's great. No, it's terrible. Tastes great. Less filling, you know, you know, those kinds of debates. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm just going to go see it <laughs> at this point. And, and, but I agree with you that the, 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 it's kind of funny. The thing that got me on board with the film before seeing it wasn't that Joss Whedon was brought in uh, because I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. I liked, you know, both Avengers films. So, you know, this can only be good, but it was actually Danny Elfman (laughs) coming in as the composer that I'm like, Oh, okay. And I watched an interview with him, and it just made me laugh. And the guy goes, so which Batman theme are you going to use? And he's just like, I'm using the Batman theme. He's like, are you using Hans Zimmer's? And he goes, no, 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 I'm using the Batman theme. And it was just like, I'm using my Batman theme. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I would, you know, hearing that out of him, I'm using the Batman theme. I would think he's either using his own or he's using, you know, na 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 na. But but I wouldn't even I wouldn't even think to go to Hans Zimmer on that. Yeah. I, and it's kind of funny because he said, "What I think is unfortunate is that they have these themes and music, and you know, you you think of you, you think of Danny Elfman and you think of uh, that 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 college humor uh, uh, skit." where they made fun of uh, Tim Burton. It's just like, well, what's the music going to sound like? Boom, 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 boom. Oh, oh. You know, you wouldn't think of him. <laughs> My wife's in the background. Yeah, she's, she's, she's nice background vocals. <laughs> but you wouldn't think of that guy necessarily going, no, look, John Williams' Superman theme was brilliant. But he he recognized what it was, you know, in terms of people reacting to it. So I'm like, okay, are they are they turning out of the skid with this film? Are they embracing the past a little bit instead of, you know, throwing... Because I think we could agree that Superman Returns was too much of a love letter to the original Superman films. So, and not so much enough, so that it, it didn't have any real feel for itself. Like, musically sometimes, but mainly it was just like, this is a, this is a kind of bastardization of a continuation of that, of that character. Whereas Man of Steel was a little too much of all new and in your face. So it's felt like with bringing Danny Elfman in that they were going, Oh, we have a past. And these characters, you know, Batman and Superman had other themes. And that translated to me, oh, other versions of those characters, so it's going to be different, and that actually made me kind of excited. Right, that's fair. I, I kind of just kept my feelings... I would say I was mostly just ambivalent going into this. I, I because, <laughs> because of having felt like I got burned before, I was afraid to kind of let my expectations get too high. I didn't listen or read any uh, rev- any professional reviews, uh, and, and I didn't listen to any podcast reviews of it beforehand. What I did was I just paid attention to the non the spoiler free comments on Facebook that people were putting up, and most of those were just I loved Superman in this movie. I can't believe how much I enjoyed this movie. 
So I says, okay, you know, that, that's, that's pretty positive. And that got my hopes up. Uh, the movie opened up right around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I went to see it the Saturday night after Thanksgiving. My son went to see it Thanksgiving night after we got home from our Thanksgiving day. Um, him and his friends went to see it. And when he came home, I asked him how he liked it. And he said he was disappointed. He didn't, didn't really like it very much. Then on Saturday, uh, some of us were going to see it, including my daughter. And he turned to her and he says, yeah, you shouldn't even bother going. You're not going to like it. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I had somewhat muted expectations going into it. Now, I also didn't watch it under the ideal situ- circumstances. We were only able to get seats in the third row. And in the theater we saw it in, the third row, even with the recliners, is a little too close. Mm-hmm. And we had seats. There were four of us that went. So we had seats two, three, four, and five. And, and, and I, again, I don't mean to be insensitive about this, but uh, for this showing, they had a group. You know, you know how, like, sometimes they'll have, like, a handicapped home mm-hmm. and they'll take them out on an outing? And they took a bunch of handicapped people out to the movie and they sat them in, I guess, whatever seats were available. So I was in seat two and they sat one of the men in seat one. Uh, and he was rocking back and forth through the whole movie and occasionally making sounds. And again, I don't mean to be unsympathetic, but it just doesn't create the perfect atmosphere to watch a movie in. It's a little distracting. So, you know, he, he was... I mean, it was sad in some ways. He was like looking on the floor for pieces of popcorn sometimes, uh, and he, and he was an you know an older gentleman. It wasn't like he was you know five. Yeah. So I had that to distract me a little bit while we were watching it, but just as a general you know quick uh, feel, I, I enjoyed watching the movie. There were things about it that where I felt it was lacking. And we'll talk a little bit about that specifically. But overall, I walked out of the movie theater feeling, I I enjoyed this. This was a good, solid movie. And the three people with me all, all kind of concurred with that thought. Now, you saw it, the first time you saw it, did you see it with Rachel? or? Yeah, we, we, we had, uh, I have a uh, team of Hong Kong Cavaliers uh, that I go to. Uh, one of them is not Jeffrey Taylor because he let me down uh, in Man of Steel. But, uh, you know, I, I have a couple people that I go, look, I, I need you to watch this and I need you to tell me. And I got a bunch of messages saying it's mostly good. Have her look away here and here. And because of that, we both had a really good time. Uh, okay, and just, little... just for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Mike's wife uh, has had issues with with, with multiple fractures in her body and she has a ptsd sensitivity to anything where bones are breaking in any type of depiction as i understand it and it gets her very upset and i think you know anybody who's been through what she has could understand or anybody who just understand you know here's what she's been through should understand that that's that's an issue yeah and, and it is believe me it's not something that she wants and it's not something she enjoys uh but if if we can know it's coming, she can prepare. And so, thankfully, there was only really two moments in this. There was a moment with uh, Wonder Woman resetting Batman's arm, 
and there's a moment where Cyborg has his leg ripped off. And even though he's a robot, it still kind of gets to her. But other than that, uh, I'm going to go so far as to say I think Rachel enjoyed this in the theater more than I did, and I loved it. Uh, she was really into this film. Uh, and, and it's funny because you talked about how you got the, the, the seats three back. When I bought the tickets, it was my first time doing the reserve seating thing. And the way the theater laid it out on the site is opposite of what it is. Oh. So I thought we were getting all the way in the back and it was all the way in the front. And I'm like, nah, nah, this isn't going to work. So we actually returned those tickets, got tickets to a, a showing two hours later and went off and had ice cream. So mm. <laughs> it was, it was, that works. but, uh, but no, it was, it, it was an enjoyable experience. I think the only problem with the setting that I had is there was something off about the speakers. So I didn't hear the music as much as when I watched it, uh, you know, in preparation for this after buying it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, I had gotten the score beforehand. Cause if you tell me that there's William Superman music in something, I'm probably going to buy it. <laughs> um, but so I knew where certain things were going to be there. So I I heard it, but I don't think it was as dramatic as uh, it could have been. But uh, overall, recliner seats, thumbs up for me. <laughs> that, that's awesome. To me with the recliners, just to, to go to that for a moment as opposed to the specific movie, what I want is I want the first row back where the screen still fills your whole field of view. Mm-hmm. If I go towards the back of the theater, the screen doesn't fill my whole field of view, and then it almost gives me the sensation like I'm watching it on TV. <laughs> so I, I want it to fill my whole field of view, and usually with the recliners, you can go further forward with the recliners than you can with the regular upright seats. Mm-hmm. And I usually find that depending on how the theater is laid out, either the fourth or fifth row are optimum for that for me. Yeah, we, we, we found... In, in the particular theater that we went to is that there is one row that you don't want to be in. Cause there's kind of a wall that goes to the next level of seats. Okay. And de- depending on where you're sitting in the seat, it can obstruct your view. So we found that there's an optimum too. So I, I totally, I agree with that. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Like uh, the first movie I saw in a recliner, was Age of Ultron. And I remember picking the seats, and I picked them based upon my normal movie theater-going experiences. And I did find during that one that I was further back than I would have liked, you know, as I watched it. And because of the recliner, because you don't have to crane your neck Mm -hmm. with the recliner the same way you do if you're in a regular upright seat. So you can afford to go a little bit more close to the screen before it starts becoming too much. The the third row, I find it's too much. It's it's still, you know, it, it's almost like you don't have to crane your neck because you're reclined, but you almost have to look right and left to see what's going on on the screen because you're too close to it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to, back to the Justice League movie. So I guess our level of enjoyment was slightly different, but we definitely both walked out of Justice League positive with it. Yes. And now I think it's worth getting into some of the particulars of the movie. Let's, uh, I, and I think 
probably what I'd like to do is just start off by discussing different choices they made with the characters. And I want to save Superman for last because I think he's our most important focus. <laughs> so I'm going, to, I'm going to start with what I thought was the weakest of the bunch. And let's talk a little bit about Steppenwolf as the villain. You know, it's funny because one of the constant criticisms I saw of this film was that it felt like they left a lot out. And it seemed like Steppenwolf got plugged into that. And I see everyone's problem with Steppenwolf, but I'm such a DC guy that I was just really happy that Steppenwolf was in a film. I, I know that sounds silly, but it's just like, he was a generic bad guy. I will completely cop to that. He, you know, you could have, you could have put in Mongol, you could have put in, you know, any heavy hitting cosmic level DC character, and you wouldn't have lost anything. There was nothing about him being Darkseid's uncle. There was nothing about the fact that, you know, he killed Darkseid's wife, but then Darkseid had him somehow kill Darkseid's mother and like all of the dramatic stuff with the new gods. None of that was there. All we had was a gray character looking for three boxes. Yeah, I, I thought he was very put. I thought his story wise, I thought he was very two dimensional. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they gave you any depth at all to his character. They didn't give you really his motivations other than he wanted power. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't give you any of his backstory. They didn't give you really any personality other than the fact that he was evil. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't really, I, I didn't embrace his character as, as it was in the movie. I thought he came off uh, not dissimilar from the type of villains you see in a Power Rangers co- uh, television show, frankly. Well, or frankly, was he really any different from Ironmonger? I mean, I th- when you really, when yeah, you really I, boil I, it I told, down. I told, well, first of all, I think Jeff Bridges is a very charismatic <laughs> actor. Well, that is true. So you start <laughs> off with that, and then I think I think you did have some more motivation to that because, you know, you had how he was partners with Howard Stark, and that you know, kind of Tony came in with him as his mentor. And passed him up like he was standing still. Uh, so, you know, I, I did think there was more to him than than we got with Steppenwolf. I don't think Ironmonger was as bad of a villain as, or at least he wasn't to me as bad of a villain as the way he seems to be perceived uh, when when people are talking about the Marvel movies, uh, like I said, I thought Jeff Bridges did a great job of portraying him. I I, I loved his excitement uh when he was in the armor and and he was fighting and and you know he was actually winning and 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 you could just hear the excitement in his voice i I, you know i just think they had a better actor in a better part i i i would not i would not put him at the level of steppenwolf i think he was to me he was far superior I am. I am going to say I was wrong, and you were right. Uh, <laughs> and that's not my goal. <laughs> you know, that's not your concern. Um, you know, you can't. I, I can't really even compare him to any of the Marvel villains because as soon as I think of one, I'm like, okay, he had a better motivation. Okay, he had a better motivation. Okay, he had a better motivation. Um, even 
Blonsky in the Incredible Hulk movie had something you could kind of glom onto, whereas Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf was the bad guy in an '80s five-part animated miniseries where Cobra was just trying to get the Weather Dominator together, or they were trying to get all the parts of Serpentor. You know, that's Mm kind of what he reminded me of, was like an 80s animated villain that I think I put more into than was actually on the screen. Yeah, the feeling I had was he was the villain in the movie because the movie needed a villain. (laughs) You know, he he was almost the the MacGuffin villain. Yeah, because even Ultron had a really compelling origin. And even though he was completely animated, James Spader's vocal performance was charming enough that you kind of bought into him as the bizarro Tony Stark, basically. Yeah, which is, that's that's so, what they presented him. Uh, I, thought, I thought, unfortunately, and I don't want to go too far afield, but I thought that uh, that did serve to undermine the... Uh, the dread that you should have felt with his character. You know, they, uh, they, they, they did him a little bit more lighthearted than I would have liked, but I don't want to go too much onto that movie. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think Steppenwolf is comparable to the villain from suicide squad. Yes. Oh, very much so. But I think, I think the, the problem may be that they originally planned to do two justice league movies. Yeah. And they, I, you know, at least as I understand it, they they scaled that back to one because of the criticism that they were getting with Batman v Superman, and they didn't want to put too much of an investment in it up front. Um, I think we were going to get Steppenwolf in the first movie, and it was going to be the precursor to Darkseid in the second. Yeah. Uh, and if we had gotten that, I think we would have gotten more backstory because that's how they would have gotten us to to Darkseid. Yeah. So, you know, I think it, I think. That vil- the villain was a little bit of a victim of the negative reviews and the negative public perception. So, you know, but th- all that said, he was a fine, generic, somebody they have to face. You know, he, he wasn't going to make the movie on-, on-, on his own, but he gave them someone to fight, and that was fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll- he's a solid B-minus villain. And and he took us he took us into that scene with the Amazons, which I thought was really well done, where they're trying to keep the the box from him. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was you know a well done scene. There was also the scene uh, down in in uh, Atlantis with Mira, which was very cool. So you know we did we did get to see some things there that I thought were, were well done. And uh, again, I think he he served his purpose. I just would have liked for his purpose to have been more expanded. I'll totally agree with that. Okay, so now having gone through the villain a little bit, let's talk about the league. Unless there, is there any any other supporting characters that you think are worth discussing? Uh, I, mean, I, I liked Cyborg's dad. Yes, and uh, it's it's cool that he was uh, Miles Bennett Dyson. Yeah, or Professor Hamilton from Smallville. Uh, yeah, he, he gets around, but no, I I, I thought. I thought he is indicative of what was good and bad about the, the individual league members coming together in the first place. But I liked him. Uh, I liked his motivations and I thought he was fleshed out. 
And just because I like the actor, I liked Barry Allen's dad. But I like that actor a lot. He was great in Watchmen. He was really good in the movie Spotlight. Uh, uh, and I just... I, I just like watching him work, basically. So. Yeah, and, and I think both of those actors slash characters served their function in mm-hmm. helping to make their respective sons, uh, you know, keep them from being two-dimensional characters, giving them motivation, yeah. giving them backgrounds. So I, I thought I thought they were both fairly well cast, and I thought they were both fairly well portrayed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on both of those, that, that that they were solid. Now, taking it from that, going to the Justice League itself, and the first guy who I want to discuss was is the one who I have the most issue with, and that's Cyborg. And it's not that I have issue with the actor or the way he was portrayed in the movie. It's just I've never been a fan of Cyborg on the Justice League because... I've had years and years and years of Cyborg in the Teen Titans, and that's where he belongs in my mind. So I have a little bit of an issue with him now being a Justice Leaguer and that being his history. And no, he was never in the Teen Titans. I don't mind if he grows up and and leaves the Teen Titans and goes in the Justice League. I don't like he was never in the Teen Titans. This is where the generational divide comes in. Because my first introduction to Cyborg was on the Super Friends, where he was with the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only got to know him in the comics later. Now, having said that, I always associate him with the New Teen Titans, because it's where, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound uh, derogatory, it's not. It's where he belongs. Uh, and it's not that the Titans are a terrible team and he's not good enough for prime time. That's where he belongs. That's where he was introduced. And Jeff Johns brought him into the Justice League during the New 52 and sidelined Martian Manhunter. And he was actually not my the, the character I had the biggest problem with. Uh, and I actually grew to like Ray Fisher's performance. But man, was he hard to look at sometimes because those special effects were not ready <laughs> in some shots. I guess is the best way to say that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think that they they didn't break the budget to make him look good. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, he looked very video gameish. But uh, I thought I thought shots. his characterization was fairly well done. Mm-hmm. The whole, you know, uh, what was, I'm trying to remember the exact line when he's talking to his dad, and he says something about a monster, and the dad says. You're not a monster, son. And he says, I wasn't talking about me, but it's funny yeah. that you immediately thought that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it somewhat, but I thought that was a great character moment. Shows his, his resentment for his dad. It shows, you know, just just so much there. And I thought that was really well done. Uh, my, my problem with him wasn't the way he was portrayed at all. I just wouldn't have chosen to have him in the Justice League. I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair critique, too. Because you're being fair to how he was presented, uh, but just just having just having an overall problem with it. I, the the one thing that really glommed me onto him is Ray Fisher's vocals were great. Yeah, like there was something about the quality of his voice that I really liked. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And and I got to say the 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 point where he totally cemented uh, his 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 status in the movie. 
was, you got to keep in mind, my daughter's going to be 18 years old. She grew up with the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, when they when they finally defeat Steppenwolf, and he looks and just says, Booyah! <laughs> he, I heard my daughter say, Oh, yeah! Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's, that's, that was always his tagline. So yeah. the fact that they worked that in, that was cool. <laughs> so move, moving on from him... Uh, the next character that I would say I have the most issue with, and, uh, you know, I guess it's to a lesser degree, but uh, I I don't know. I like Aquaman with green pants and an orange shirt and, 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 blonde, and blonde hair. I didn't dislike the way he was portrayed, but he's just not what I picture as Aquaman. Aquaman is... A good example. He's not my prime example in this film, but he's a good example of what I think is the problem with the DC films in general. Is and and you know a lot of people say you can't compare the Marvel and the DC films. I say BS. I can do whatever I want. I can compare any movies uh, I want. Yeah, but I, I think one of the things about the Marvel films is pretty much an hour into the movie. The character is the character, you know, you know, Iron Man was Iron Man, you know, when he first, you know, when he, when he goes and takes care of the terrorists and then has to deal with the air force, I'm like, okay, that's Iron Man. Iron Man is set, you know, everything they do with him from now on is just icing on the cake. Whereas the DC movies seem to be obsessed with, Okay, we want to show you how they got to that point, and we're going to take 15 movies to do that. It's like, you know, Superman can't be Superman in, a, in his first movie. Everything's in everything about Superman, you know, Clark Kent, The Daily Planet, et cetera, et cetera, was in the last minute of the film. And Aquaman is a good example of that. This isn't Aquaman, Hero of the Seven Seas. This is Aquaman before he's the hero of the Seven Seas. So why is he in the Justice League? Because <laughs> Batman you know? recruited him. That's I it. Understand. That's the only story yeah. reason they give you. And I think he is also a great example of why I was dead wrong about DC's model. Because back when they announced Batman v Superman, I'm like, look, you don't have to introduce these characters. In their own film. Everybody knows who Aquaman is. Everybody knows who Flash is. And you know why? Because we've had 40 years of animated series introducing us to these characters. And I'm watching this film and I'm like, oh my god, they needed movies for all of these people before they put them in this movie. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure on that. Honestly, I I think Aquaman needed a little bit more. You know, it's almost like they, instead of giving everybody a movie, if they had done Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, with a little bit more Dawn of Justice in it, I think it would have been okay. I mean, really, what they did was they gave us Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and at best, a cameo of Cyborg, uh, Aquaman, and Flash. Real-time movies of, of them to go early internet days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if they had given us just a little bit more of each of them, maybe, you know, you could have done a little, you know, done, I don't know, done it a little bit differently where maybe, uh, maybe the end of it was them all getting together. Yeah. To fight Doomsday. 
and and then you know then they're, they're not the focus of the whole movie but they finally get into at the end now when we go into the justice league movie you have at least a little bit of a basis for each one of them something along those lines might have been i mean to me there's a lot of ways we could have made batman v superman better that's yeah. one, that's one of them uh and you would have also had like why do i want to join with you the last time i teamed up with you superman got killed yeah yeah and that would have you know that would have made for an interesting motivation. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I would have liked that. I don't know if we needed an Aquaman movie first. I don't even know if we're ever getting an Aquaman movie, even though they say we are. <laughs> I guess I guess you need to be in the theater watching it to believe that it happens, and then well, have like, they have know, they finished filming it? I mean, uh, it's coming out this December. Oh, is it okay? Then yeah. then I'm on board. I I you know I mean I'll see it when it comes. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Like I, I said, it's it's not the I'm I'm not a huge fan of the angry Aquaman, and we got some of that. Then we got the you know the my man Aquaman when he was up in the sky. So I'm not sure which one we're getting in this movie. Yeah, he was he was Aqua Bro, and I, I I think what I liked about him is that I think Jason Momoa is a very charismatic actor, so he makes you know being the big kind of bruiser uh work and i gotta say the scene where he sits on the lasso oh that's great you know it was that just this great. great character moment like like at first he's like you know i'm ready to go because it's an honorable way to die and then by the end he's like you know what i don't want to die <laughs> but then he, he, he looks at one of them and and you're really hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I mean, that, that was a great scene but you know what to me i think i think the brave and the bold ruined aquaman for me <laughs> except to be portrayed that way the brash <laughs> big mouth not thinking about what he's doing aquaman i just found him to be so endearing in that cartoon that i have a tough time accepting him in any other portrayal although i did enjoy jeff john's run on the book uh yeah, in I, 52 i think aquaman is one of those characters where he works when he's in the right hands and this was a very Almost Peter Davish, Davidish to the extreme version of Aquaman, and I think the only reason, the other reason I liked him is that we got to see him kind of interacting with Mira. Uh, so not the first live action Mira because she was on Smallville, but Smallville had Aqua Bro. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> the dude playing him on that was just like total frat boy Aquaman. So so maybe I I, th I think. I think I'm a little higher on him than you are, but I see all of your points. And uh, I, I don't think he's a lost sense. cause. I think they, no, they no, could totally, he could be, to whatever extent I had a problem with him. And I, I, I can't say, oh my God, I hated him. I just, you know, I just thought he could have been better. Uh, I think they can redeem that to whatever, you know, in, in the movie that they're coming out with in his solo film. Uh, but just, I think they need to, him to be a little bit more consistent in his portrayal because I do think he was kind of going back and forth on this one between Aqua Bro and Angry Aquaman. Um, so I think the we other, do need a little bit more consistency, and I think we need not a totally dark story. And uh, on a total personal note, uh, there was a video that circulated of Momoa at a convention, and he was on a panel, and somebody was smack-talking Superman, and he stood up, and it was just like, come say it to my face, basically. So... I appreciate anybody that takes up for Superman. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
So the next one I'll go to is The Flash. Now, he was excellent at giving us some comic relief in this movie. In a movie that needed comic relief, he gave it to us. Um, he was just, he was Bart Allen, not Barry. The Flash was actually my biggest problem uh, in the film. I, again, we're going into it. He's not the Flash yet. He's not Barry Allen, police scientist, gets hit by lightning, becomes the Flash. He is, what if your stoner best friend from high school got super? And, you know, I drove a guy in my senior year, a really cool guy. I won't give out his name because, you know, he might be completely different today. But he was the guy that wanted to make a bong out of everything. <laughs> uh, and I could totally see him getting super speed and being this way. He, he, like, I like Ezra Miller. I think he's got very good comedic timing. Uh, and it was interesting watching him bounce off the various characters. But to me, he was the weak link of the film. Well, the the problem, I, well, one of the problems I had with him is he is so different from the same character that we're seeing on TV. Yeah, but having the exact same backstory. Yeah, and and to me, I, I don't know that that's the wisest way to go. I, I think I would have, I don't know, I think I may, may have gone, uh, I may have made him Bart Allen, made him Impulse and, you know, because... <laughs> I, I liked the comic relief. There were points in it where he, you know, he made me laugh out loud when when uh, when he's talking to Batman and he's all insecure about what he's going to do in the fight. He's like, you know, really, all I do is with super speed, I come over and I push people and then I run away. Yeah, <laughs> and I just thought that was great. And then there were, you know, there were scenes with Superman and him where they interacted, and it was, it was terrific. Some of it, I, I even liked, you know, the quick talking when he's when he's in the Batcave and everything. But it just never seemed like Barry Allen to me. Now, and my my he daughter was, the was flash asking, because the movie needed a flash. Yeah, my daughter was asking me when because I, when I was doing the rewatch the other day, my daughter was asking me about the flash in it, and I said, you know that that it's just that you know that he he, and I'm I'm losing my own train of thought here. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, I don't remember what I told her now. Well, I'm gonna just move on to another point. <laughs> but uh, I just kind of felt that he could have been something different than he was. I, I think I probably, I'm high enough on this Flash TV series that I probably would have had Grant, Grant Gustin playing the Flash in this movie. It just basically folding everything into itself. You know, I remember uh, right before Suicide Squad came out, uh, the CW did like this hour-long special hosted by Kevin Smith where they were talking about all the, the movies coming up. And uh, or was it Batman v Superman? I forget. But Jeff Johns was on it. He's just like, yeah, the Flash is going to be in Justice League. He's going to be completely different from the TV show. Barry Allen's father was accused of murdering his mother. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, time out, defense. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> That's exactly what the TV mm -hmm. show is. <laughs> don't don't urinate on my leg and tell me it's raining. I mean, seriously. Uh, and there was a lot of other footage with him. But reading about that footage, I don't think it would have added to this move to this character to make me go, oh, I see where they're going. It would have made me go, oh, he's even more of a loser than I thought he was. Mm. So. But, I, you know, I like I said, I, I liked the comic relief that he brought. 
I just don't know if we, you know, I don't know if we needed to do it at the expense of the character. You could have had the same comic relief if he was a police scientist with a job and not a complete slacker, but just was insecure in being a superhero, essentially. Like, have him be early in his career, but his superhero career, not his police scientist career. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to the original origin of Barry Allen as the Flash, he's well well into his uh, forensic science duties when he becomes the Flash, which is part of why he becomes the Flash, because there's all the chemicals that he works with. Yeah. So, Splash on him. And- so it, it's, it's okay because I found him to be entertaining, but it doesn't do justice to the character is basically my final outcome on that. The, the one thing I could not get past is how butt ugly that suit was. God, I hated it. <laughs> I still hate it. I just well, uh, it's, we we could also talk about that a little bit with Superman when we get there because I'm still not crazy about his costume. <laughs> okay, move, move, moving right along, we'll, we'll go to uh, Wonder Woman. I think I remember when they cast uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. There was a lot of people saying, "Oh, she's too small. She's." You know, too petite. She doesn't look the part. Boy, she couldn't be cast better. She's just, to me, she's just spot on. She is. She is up there with Christopher Reeve as Superman and Chris Evans. Uh, it must be the name, Chris, uh, as Captain America. She she has no inhibitions about the role. She's embraced it. There is no sly winking or this is all silly. She is all in. You know, in what, you know what I love? In. Like the scene where she's in the museum working. Mm-hmm. She's wearing like the, the white Wonder Woman jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's just that's just a, a, hey, fans, look at this. It's cool. But we're not going to even, you know, if you don't realize it, we're not going to even point it out to you because if you don't realize it, you're not going to care. And she had a really good arc in the film, too. She was one of the most fleshed out characters. But I think that has everything to do with the fact that we were introduced to her and saw so much of her in Batman v Superman. And she was kind of like the highlight of that movie mm-hmm. where now we're seeing the next step. It's just like, OK, she's out in the world again. Uh, most people had already seen her movie and know that she's been in hiding for 80 years. And this was her basically coming to terms with the fact that a lot of things could have been prevented if she hadn't hidden herself away. And she had, you know, she is every much a symbol that Superman is. And I think it's funny that it's Batman that's kind of constantly poking her at this. I mean, we had some great action scenes with her, uh, but I, uh, but I was more interested in Diana coming to terms with her role, not only in the justice league, but in the world. Yeah, I agree totally. I I think she was she was much like in Batman v Superman. She was one of the highlights of this movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there's really to me there's not too much to harp on with her because I just think she was well portrayed. She seems you know like you said she's embraced the character. She she seems to embody the character, which goes to what you were saying about uh you know Christopher Reeve and Chris Evans and you know other people who've really uh you know just become you know totally uh just in in you know they they totally take over that role and and you don't think of them as anything else when you see them Mm -hmm. 
and it's it's just, it's just great. So we'll move along quickly from her, and then we'll get to Ben Affleck as Batman. And I have to say, when they announced that he was going to be taking on the role for Batman v Superman, uh, I was among the skeptics. I, I'm always willing to say I'll wait and see, but you know, you know, I'm human. So uh, you know, when I hear so and so is playing a part, and if it's an actor I know. You know, I'm likely to have some opinion on it, uh, and I was questioning whether or not he was going to be right for the role. I didn't like him as Daredevil, and you know that's the, probably the closest role that he's played to this, so I didn't care for it. I have to say, with, despite the uh, problems I had with Batman v Superman, I thought his performance was one of the highlights in that movie, along with Wonder Woman. I didn't like the way necessarily his character was written throughout it. But his portrayal, I thought, was very solid. And I think that carries over to this one. There were points in it where I'm not 100% uh, thrilled with some of the writing. But as far as his portrayal, I think he he pretty much knocks it out of the park. I think the problem, the two problems I had with Batman in this film is, one, I think he's too beefy. Uh, He is supposed to be an older Batman, so I'm willing to forgive that. Yeah, but I don't like the Frank Miller... Dark Knight Returns visualizations that they gave him. Uh, my other problem is, Bruce, you need to really start coming to balance. Because in the last movie, it was all Superman is evil, Superman is going to destroy us. If there is even a 1% chance that he's a danger, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. Bruce, that's not how math works. <laughs> Where in this one, it's just like, no, Superman's the greatest thing ever. And it's just like, We need him back. <laughs> dude, I watched a three-hour movie where for two hours and 45 minutes of that, you hated this guy. So, so don't give me that. But because I didn't like the script in Batman v Superman, I'm willing to accept that the Bruce we saw there isn't, isn't right, and we're fixing him now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that because what I was uh, my, my my thing is is that what won me over is that Ben Affleck is a charming actor, and he got to do that in this role, even in the bat suit when he's fighting the guy at the beginning of the movie, and there's like a comedic touch to it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's great, and just every interaction with Alfred was just amazing. Jeremy Irons got to actually do a little more in this than I think in Batman v Superman. And I loved their dynamic. The, the the one line I loved is like this, it was all easier when all we had to deal with was people who had wind up penguins <laughs> and, and, and kind of the smile on Ben Affleck's face and just how kind of effortless he was Bruce Wayne. And what I also liked is that he got his ass kicked throughout this entire film. <laughs> like, yeah, well, what's, your, what's your superpower? I'm rich. Wonder Woman tosses him around. I, I, you know, the, one of my favorite scenes was when he's just like, "Oh yeah, I'm bleeding, <laughs> definitely bleeding." <laughs> and here was a here was a Batman that made a mistake and is trying to make up for it, and I think he succeeds. Uh, and and the scene at the end when he's talking to Clark, and they're like. Well, how'd you get the house back? He's like, bought the bank. 
and there's like a sheepishness about the way he says the line. Like he's a little embarrassed, but he's just like, it's what I do. Uh, my reaction to that was jackass. Why weren't you paying attention to this this entire time? Why weren't you taking care of Martha? Yeah, why didn't why didn't you just pay a mortgage instead yeah. of buying the bank? <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just like 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 you know like before she lost the house, maybe step in and go. Sorry, I got your son killed. Here's a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I, I thought the same thing. Why buy the bank? Just pay the mortgage. But uh, but but his again, and I, I I have to accept the premise that he is that they are rectifying part of what they did mm-hmm. wrong in Batman v Superman with him. But as long as I accept that premise, he has a story arc in this movie, probably more so than anyone, probably more so than anyone. I was going to say, mm-hmm. except for Superman, but he's probably got a bigger story arc than Superman does. Uh, Su- Superman's story arc is he's resurrected, he comes to grips with uh, his superheroics, and he helps them defeat Steppenwolf. I mean, that really is his arc. Uh but, you know, Batman has the whole getting the league together and dealing with his own guilt over the passing of Superman and resurrecting him because they need him and then defeating Steppenwolf and and, and then the redemption of, of helping Ma Kent get her farm back. So he, he's got a whole story arc in this thing, and, and I think it was fairly well done. And... I mean, think about it. He was he was willing. His plan was, I'm going to die. I am going to sacrifice myself so that the heavy hitters can take care of the big problem. And the league said, nah, brah, that's not happening. So, I mean, literally, he, mm-hmm. you know, you had Aquaman there. Uh, but no, it's just, I, I, I really, even though I will never really forgive Zack Snyder for designing a Batman costume that looked almost like the Night Owl costume uh, from the Watchmen film. Uh, that second outfit he wears in the film because it's a Batman, so of course he has like multiple outfits. Um, and by the way, uh, guys, you, you aren't improving the Batmobile. Please stop. It's ugly. You don't it's just make terrible. it bigger and bigger and bigger. That doesn't help. Yeah, it's just like, look, look, I, I don't need a Batmobile with machine guns mounted on it. I didn't need it in 1989. I don't need it in 2016. Mm-hmm. So, so now, now we'll go to the uh, the elephant, the pink elephant in the room. Is that what it is? <laughs> Superman. Uh, I, I think they went a long way towards fixing what they did wrong in the other movies. And some of it, I think, they accomplished by just sweeping some of the personality things from the other movies under the rug. I, I think, you know, they they made Mark Kent more more of a positive influence on his life instead of the yeah. these people don't deserve you, Mark Kent. Um, and and they made him more upbeat, and they made his suit somewhat brighter looking. They literally uh, I, they they designed it that way. Yeah, I, I still don't I don't care for the texture of the suit. I really don't. I don't I don't know. It, it's I, I think I think I appreciated it more in Man of Steel and and I've soured on it over time. But I'm I'm not crazy about that. I, I kind of want him back in the Christopher Reeve <laughs> Superman suit. Uh, but you know, opening the scene, the opening scene with him uh, on the uh, you know the the phone footage. Uh, which I understand is entirely a Joss Whedon uh, input mm-hmm. thing. I think that that wasn't in the film until Joss Whedon got there. 
you know, that goes towards what you were saying of showing how the people idolized him and showing how, you know, how he would talk to these kids and how he could relate to them and, and be able to talk to them in a way where they wanted to hear what he said and, and that they were thrilled to get him to talk to them. I thought, you know, that, what was that scene? I don't know, 35 seconds long, but I think it went yeah. a long way towards opening the movie saying to us, this isn't the Superman you saw uh, in, in Batman v Superman, not even the one you saw in Man of Steel. This is going to be the Superman that you know and love a little bit more. There are several moments in this film, uh, and they all kind of built on each other. The scene where he's just been resurrected and the entire league is taking him on, and the flash rounds around him because he's going to just push him out of the way, I guess. That moment where Henry Cavill's eyes catch the flashes mm-hmm. and his head turns, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this isn't a Superman that's going to get caught flat-footed. <laughs> and, it, and, and I think what it did was it gave the audience, okay, you know Superman's powerful. This is how powerful he is. He, uh, he can see the flash who is moving at, you know, faster than the the eye can follow. The scene with Lois in the farm, it actually made me cry in the theater. It made me cry when I watched it. When she goes, I wasn't strong enough for you. I was like, oh my God, that is so emotional. Like, like it's getting, like, this is what I want to see. I want to see the heart of these people. And it's it was giving her a depth Yes. that I didn't see in the other movies, including Man of Steel. There was a little bit of an element of why is he so attracted to her? You know, I understand why she, you know, he's Superman. I understand why any woman would, would be attracted to Superman. Why is Superman enamored with her? And I think every movie has kind of fallen a little short on that, including Superman and Margot Kidder, uh, yeah. you know, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, or, or, you know, even, you know, with Amy Adams in the first movie, although that one did, you know, it did a fairly decent job, but I thought this, that scene that you're talking about specifically gave you more to their relationship than we saw in, in either of the other two movies that they were in together. It was more intimate than him climbing into the tub with her. Uh, I thought, and I'm sorry. I'm a fan of truth. But I also like justice right before he knocks Steppenwolf across the room. I'm just like, oh, yeah. But you know what? It stood out to me then, and it's always gonna, that I wanted to say, and the American way. Yeah. I'm I'm disappointed that they feel he can't for whatever reason. Uh, and and, I, and you know what? And, and I'll I'll even accept it to an extent because you say, hey, we're making this movie and we want the international market to sell it. And if we're if we're making it too much of a hey America's great movie, then it's not going to do as well overseas. But I, 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 I just you know to me it's assertion. Superman is truth, justice in the American way. That's the expression. That's what I wanted to hear. But the fact that he was worried about the civilians. Uh, there was that really funny scene where the Flash is all proud of himself because he got a truck yeah, out of got there. That giant building. <laughs> and it's just, but then when he comes back in and just slams into Steppenwolf and then hits him with the heat vision, I'm like, 
I could watch 15 more minutes of this. I really can. That reminded then, me of the scene at the end of uh, Justice League Unlimited when he fights Darkseid. Yeah. And he talks about how he doesn't have to hold back anymore. Yeah, he's... You know, it's funny because Wonder Woman is extremely powerful. Aquaman is extremely powerful in this film. But it's just like, you know, you, you, you can't fight this... You can't fight this villain alone, except if you're Superman, where apparently you can. Uh, and then that one of my favorite moments was they they the massive explosion happens and he's just like oh yeah feel dead would prefer <laughs> to be dead right now but man i'm telling you right now i lit up like a christmas tree when henry cavill in the full suit necktie glasses looks up takes the glasses off and we get a full-on shirt rip Mm-hmm. Not a Superman return shirt rip, but an actual shirt rip. I was just like, okay, you sold me. I want I want I want to I want Man of Steel 2 right now. I want to see more of this. I want to see him fighting somebody. I want to see him being Clark Kent. I want to see Amy Adams being Lois Lane. I want to see Perry White not being a complete jackass throughout the entire film. I just oh man, it just I think the reason why I love this film so much is centered um, completely around Superman. Yeah, and and that's ultimately what I concluded. As I was doing my rewatch, I said, this movie either stood or fell on that, on how Superman was going to be portrayed in this. Because if he was shown in this the way that he had been in Batman v Superman, despite the other positives we've discussed, this movie would be a failure. Mm Mm-hmm. And and the fact that he was portrayed in a different way, uh, I think, is what buoyed it up and made it an enjoyable movie to watch. And uh, it's funny because, I mean, we all know how Scott feels about this, our mutual friend Scott Gardner, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after the movie came out, I said, I know you're not going to go to the movies to see it. But there's a scene in there where he's just brought back from the dead. And, you know, he he's not quite aware of his... His, his where he is and what's going on and he's just lashing out and he fights the league. As in, it's totally understandable. He's not being portrayed as evil Superman. You know, he's disoriented. He's, you know, it's, he's, he's being woken from the dead. But it's a great fight scene. And, and you could hear the skepticism in Scott's voice as I was saying it to him. And then then somebody actually, I guess, had a, had a copy of that scene and uh, presented it to him, and he watched it. And when I talked to him afterwards, he was like, no, it was horrible. This is the way people are going to think Superman is. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, we, you know, we, we just could not agree on that no matter what. But, he, you know, he just saw it as Superman being presented as the villain. And I think that's what I, I – well, actually, I don't think – I know that's what it was for a lot of, of my fellow Superman fans, that we were we were worried that Superman was going to be a pawn or minion of Steppenwolf until the very end. That's what I thought. And, you know, there, there's, there's a couple deleted scenes that are on the Blu-ray. One of them is him walking through the Kryptonian ship and you seeing him – uh, there's a really cool Easter egg of the black costume, uh, which he walks by because that costume had no business being in this film. Uh, but then he puts on that outfit, and then there's a scene with Alfred. 
And I see why they cut these these scenes out because it is so much more dramatic to have him just show up at the at the one part of the fight that he's needed the most. But I kind of liked the arc that those scenes gave. But basically, what it came down to is that it the way they introduced Superman into this universe was completely unfair to Superman. Uh, David Goyer wanted to write a first Superman as first contact. Mm -hmm. And okay, we're going to deal with the paradigm shifting event of realizing we're the, we're not alone in the universe. There's a guy who can fly and shoot fire from his eyes. Nothing can kill him. And people like him just tried to destroy the planet. You have put so much on this character that it's amazing anyone thought he was a hero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, de I'm dead serious about this. And I think DC and Warner Brothers and the people in charge of these films realized, you know what? People just want to see Superman being Superman. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I appreciate an, art, an artist's viewpoint. I appreciate different takes on it. But when you're talking about multi-million dollar films... That's not where you get arty. That is not where you try to get cute. And it's not where you go, I'm going to spend three films getting Superman to the point just to show you why he's Superman. I think with these movies being made not for comic book fans, but for a general audience, you owe it to that audience to give the best of your characters. Now, if you're doing a, a film series you lead with strength and then maybe go dark. I think, I think civil war proved that in Marvel is that you can have a darker chapter in this whole thing, but you earned that. Whereas DC really didn't earn anything in this film. That, that, that was my biggest problem with the movie is that everything is really forced. It's, it was nice to see Clark and Bruce at the end of the film, but why are they friends? Because they beat up one bad guy together? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That man spent an entire film trying to kill him. I'd have a hard time getting past that. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you that they didn't earn it. But I'm willing... Having been as sorely disappointed by the previous movie as I was, and I, I'm sorry that I keep saying that, but it's just the reality of it. I'm willing to take the jump yeah. and say... <laughs> You know what? Let's pretend that that wasn't what it was. Somehow that happened, but it wasn't what you saw. <laughs> and they are friends now. And and, and I, I want to be at that point where they are friends because it's too late to go back and have them reintroduce themselves to each other. Yeah. So I'm yeah, willing we're... to accept that. Now, what I heard, and I don't know if this is apocryphal or reality, but what I heard was that in the original Zack Snyder version – uh, when Superman is disoriented and he's fighting the League, he was actually going to be killing people with his heat vision. I heard that. I also heard that there were going to be scenes at the Kent farm where his powers are going out of control. And I and and when I read that, I'm like, no, I think they did it the way they needed to do it. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think I think you know him killing people. I don't, you know I can accept he's disoriented and he fights the League. I can't accept he's disoriented and he's killing people. I mean, one of the scenes they cut out, 
though they brought him in and he played another character is there's a scene in the trailer of him throwing a car at a cop and cyborg catching it. Now that cop was Mark McClure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see him wanting to kill Jimmy Olsen because, you know, <laughs> well, they already did that in the last movie. Yeah. Let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think, I think the pacing of this film and it only clocking in at two hours made it a more enjoyable experience because I, I think the problem with Batman v Superman and man of steel is that Zack Snyder is a navel-gazing director. He mm-hmm. will focus on things for an emotional beat, but it just drags out the running time. You know, he did it in Watchmen, uh, which, to be fair, I like Watchmen as a film. Uh, and I only, and I think the main reason I like Watchmen as a film is that I'm very familiar with the comic. I don't know how somebody who had never read Watchmen reacted to that movie. I, I just, I can't even begin to feel bad for them uh, and what they went through. But here, you know, at the two-hour running time, could they have done, like, a little extra here and there? Could they have established Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg? Well, actually, I think Cyborg got as much screen time as he needed, in all honesty. Uh, I think he got more screen time in terms of seeing his everyday life than, than Flash or Aquaman. So, so maybe seeing a little more of that, you know, like five minutes here, five minutes there, but a three-hour movie, I think would have just would have just dragged on. I also think it would have been. I think they would have had problems with it on a commercial level, just getting people to go and give it a shot. Um, I think one of the biggest detriments of this film, and I, and and this is just my personal theory, uh, the Blu-ray of this is breaking records. Uh, it's 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 selling extremely well. And I think the reason it's selling well is because they're telling you Superman is in it. And I know that sounds like, okay, Mike, you're a Superman fan, so of course you're going to feel that way. I think one of the major marketing problems with this film is they kept Superman out of the marketing until the week before the movie came out. Every poster you saw was just the five characters. And I think a normal person who only knows these characters from, you know, watching cartoons as a kid or whatever, looks at the Justice Leagues and goes, where's Superman? Mm -hmm. I don't want to see this. And I heard bad things about that other movie. So I think that's why the theatrical release of this film didn't do as well as it could have, because they didn't do a good enough job as going, no, seriously, we fix everything. You need to come see this. But I, I could be wrong on that. I would say my biggest negative about this movie is I think the direction in it because of, or possibly because of the many hands involved, uh, was a little inconsistent. I felt like the story was, it, it didn't feel focused as I thought it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I thought there were points where it was a little hard to follow, even though the story wasn't that complex. So, you know, I I, I do I do have some issues with the direction in the movie, uh, and I have some issues with the writing in the movie, as far as as far as Steppenwolf and what his ultimate goal was and how he was going to get there and 
and, and why he needed these three boxes and what he was going to do with them. And there was, there was just a lot of stuff that I thought was not well uh, explained for the for the audience. And I don't mean explain it by throwing in five minutes of exposition. I mean explain it by giving us scenes that bring us there. I will completely agree with you. I think the only reason that I was as into it as I was is because I am familiar with these characters and mm-hmm. I am invested in the DC universe. So when you show me a back, uh, like a flashback where there's a green lantern. Oh, I love uh, that. I love that little cameo. And I was a little disappointed that the guy throwing lightning was Zeus. Cause when I saw a dude throwing lightning dressed kind of in a toga, I looked at Rachel and went, is that Shazam? Please tell me that Shazam. And knowing <laughs> like that they're doing a Shazam movie, there's no reason they couldn't have thrown a little quick cameo in there like that. But it was Zeus and which is fine, but still I, you know, I know who Steppenwolf is. I know who the new gods are. I know what dark sides beef is. I know what a mother box is, even though that's not exactly what a mother box is. Uh, actually, I think they bastardized. <laughs> Anyways, I think only because I am so familiar with everything, it all went down easier. Where again, like with Watchmen, if you don't know who any of these people are, it is just a guy with a British accent spouting textbook bad guy dialogue. Yeah, I and, think that's fair, and 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 and, and it's and it's unfortunate. And I think that brings us to the ultimate question of our show here. And I'm going to present it to you first, Mike. Uh, let me give you the Jaws scale first once again, which I give every episode. Is If you're ranking it as Jaws, you're saying it's a great movie, an all-time classic, very few flaws, if any. If you're saying it's Jaws 2, you're saying a very, very solid movie worthy of multiple rewatchings. Not too many flaws, nothing, you know, nothing intrinsically wrong with it, just not at quite at the level of a classic. Jaws 3, an enjoyable movie, you know, but just nothing particularly special. And Jaws 4 is a bad movie. Where do you rank Justice League? The lower side of Jaws 2? Um, I think there is a lot of special in this movie, but it is not a classic. It is not... This is what hurt me. Seeing Superman take down Steppenwolf was great. It did not fill me with the joy of watching the Bruce Banner turn to the Hulk and punch that Chitari thing uh, and bring the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is it is not Jaws three uh, worthy, but it's almost there. So I'm going to give it Jaws two minus. I think I think we're uh, in the same place, but for semantics, because I'm going to say um, you're putting it on the lower end of Jaws two, and I'm putting it on the higher end of Jaws three. Uh, <laughs> I I think that this had the ability to be a Jaws two movie, but instead of being a movie that I'll want to stop and watch anytime I'm flipping through the channels, as I would with so many other Jaws two movies. I'll want to stop only if it's on certain scenes. So therefore, it drops it just a little bit 
you know, just a notch below this. I could see stopping, you know, they have the Superman versus the Justice League scene, and I stop and I watch it, and then we get by that scene, and I say, okay, I'm going to keep flipping through the channels now. So that's that's what keeps it from the Jaws 2 level for me, is, is there's there are just a few moments in it that drop it down for me. But I think... I think we're on the right track. I think mm-hmm. I think the even though there's probably many different voices that are uh, telling them where to go, I think they're seeing what the audience is going to react to, and more importantly, I think they're seeing what is important about some of these characters. So I think if if we are lucky enough, and I would cons- would would consider us lucky to do it, if we're lucky enough to get a Justice League two. I think we're going to see it step up a level. And with that teaser scene at the end, I would love to see the Legion of Doom as as the villains. And and isn't it funny that we have not one but two cast members from the 2002 Spider-Man film in this? Now i got to think. 2002 Spider-Man. Who who do we have here? (laughs) We have J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Oh, yeah, okay. And Flash Thompson as Deathstroke. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. I, I I keep forgetting that that he was Flash. That he Thompson. had a career after Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he, I mean, he was big on uh, on True Blood, I think. For quite and a Magic while. Mike. Uh, I I never I never saw Magic Mike. And yeah, I, neither, and, neither did and I. I will, I mean, I will a piss poor job uh, adapting my life story. Uh, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was nothing. Like that, so. I I will hang my head in shame if I ever watch Magic Mike. <laughs> it's not for us. Come on. I know it's let's, not. Let's, I mean, and that's okay. (laughs) But no, I I, I think that if they can... By the way, um, one final thought on that that teaser with Lex Luthor. If Jesse Eisberg ever says he's not playing the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor ever again, I'm going to show him that that scene and then smack him across the face. But I, I preferred Jesse Eisenberg in that, whatever it is, minute and a half. Oh, yeah. A hundred times more than I liked... Well, uh, a hundred times more than what I thought of him in uh, Batman v Superman because I didn't like anything about his performance in Batman v Superman. I'll I'll completely agree. But if they give us a Justice League movie where you have Lex Luthor and Deathstroke and you bring in a a Wonder Woman villain and a Flash villain and just have like a full-on Legion of Doom fighting the Justice League. What what I would love to see is that going on and then – which I think they did something similar to this in the cartoons, where you have the Joker involved, but he's such a, a freaking wild card that he ends up being their downfall. Yeah, absolutely. Or they don't let him come out and play, so he throws a monkey wrench into everything. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, but... Uh, thank you so much for letting me come on and talk about this. Oh, thanks, thanks for coming on and talking to it. I always enjoy our chances to get together and, and shoot the breeze. And uh, anybody listening, uh, we talked for almost two hours before we started recording this episode. So, uh, yeah, it's always fun, Mike. And uh, we will definitely do Highlander sometime in the not-too-distant future. Okay. And we have some comic book-related projects that we're going to do on our other shows and now's the time where I would imagine everybody who listens to this knows where to find you, but I'm going to let you have a chance to say it anyway. The great thing is it's one site now. So it's the fortressofbailytude.com, uh, home of the Fortress of Bailey Tude podcasting network. 
uh, where you can find shows like It All Comes Back to Superman and From Crisis to Crisis and Overlook Dark Knight. Basically, anything I've produced on my own, uh, like me produced, not something that I've done with like a Tutu Freaks guy or a Fire and Water guy, is there. Uh, just 600 some odd episodes of various shows of me talking about comics. And for what it's worth, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, you know, I, I've said before, and I, I will. It bears repeating that uh, uh, you you were probably the biggest reason I got into podcasting was as we developed our friendship, and uh, you know, then that branched off to developing the friendship with Scott, and then he invited me on, and it, it really just snowballed from there to the fact that you know everybody can blame you for my presence. You're not the first person to say that, uh, and you're not the first person to use the word blame. So uh, at least that's consistent. <laughs> well, I, if nothing else, I am thankful to you for the years of enjoyment I've gotten out of this. Whether or not wow. anybody else has, that's you know that's up to them. Yeah, seriously, guys, check out the conversations that we had about Man of Steel and uh, the Back to the Bins where we talked about the Adventures of Superman television I'm ser- series. I'm seriously considering reposting those as bonus episodes of is it yours just to you know just to give people who haven't heard them because it's been long enough since we did them mm-hmm. uh, to give them access to them so yeah. that, that may happen you're out of your mind batman i mean bruce wayne i mean batman i came here only to do two things look masculine and talk to fish and i'm all out of fish okay so I'm gonna look masculine! Woo! We need you, Victor. And maybe you need us, too. I'm actually already part of another team. What? Cyborg! The lives of the innocent are in danger! It's time to act! Yes, there is an evil wolf that does stepping upon us! And we're gonna stop him, or whatever. Hey, Wonder Woman. Where are you going looking so hot? <gasps> My eyes are up here, guys! Well, we finally did it. We finally showed the world that... I'm sorry, your facial hair is just too distracting. If we could just... There we go. That's better.